What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future if it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me today on a very special edition of The Challenge Historian Podcast, a podcast recap episode that I did not anticipate getting the privilege in the joy of doing that. That's right. We are here to discuss the challenge Australia. Did not think we were going to get to watch this at least anytime soon. You know, this has been percolating. We knew there's the challenge USA. We watched that. We covered that. It was most of the time good. And then we knew there's UK, there's Australia, there's Argentina. We didn't know. Are they going to put them on Paramount Plus? Are we going to get to watch them anywhere? Or are we just going to meet some new folks once we get to the global championship or whatever they end up calling it? That's what we thought. We knew that over the last couple of weeks, ah, it's Aaron in Australia. There's no plans to release it in the U.S., at least none announced. Paramount Plus, nothing. Bummer how much that stinks. But then the internet provides. As often it does, it also takes away quite often. But the internet also all the time usually provides, at least in these kinds of ways. And that is with a link to a video that is episode one and episode two, and hopefully in the future links to episodes three and beyond. Because if you go follow most likely two on Instagram or TikTok, definitely Instagram, I think on TikTok too, but at least on Instagram, my good friend Paige over at most likely two has made some nice friends on the internet who have been found a way to send some links her way to then share with us the challenge fan community, which she has been incredibly kind to do. And so if you are listening to this, if you clicked on this and you're like, oh, challenge Australia, that's cool. I, I'm not going to get to watch, but at least if he is, I can listen to a recap and be caught up that way. Guess what? This isn't just me. This isn't just I got lucky. I made a friend that has a friend or whatnot. This is you too. You can watch. These links are public for now. Um, hopefully they remain that way. Hopefully no one gets in any sort of trouble. But uh, if you go over to Instagram, most likely to at most likely to she's got the episode one link saved in a highlight on her profile page. And then episode two's link is currently in her story, uh, possibly then joining that highlight you know, whenever that story goes defunct, which might be today or however those things work. I'm not so good at the social medias these days, but I know the links are there. So you can stop this podcast, go watch episode one, come back and listen, and then watch episode two and come back and listen again, because we will be covering this season from start to finish, fingers crossed, as long as we're able to get our hands on some links and be able to find a way to watch. So we're one week behind to start off, which is why we are bumping the rewatch recap mini series for today and doing this here on this Monday, this Friday, I'm going to do episode two. And then next Monday, again, fingers crossed, assuming links continue, it continues to be put up on the internet to be made publicly available. I will do episode three next Monday and make Mondays the day to get challenge Australia recaps for as long as I'm able to view them. Fridays then, starting two Fridays from now, will become the spot for the Rewatch Recap miniseries. The first couple Fridays of December will knock out the last couple episodes of that series, and then hopefully sometime after that, dive back into the actual Rewatch series itself upon the new year. Plus, around Christmas time, final programming note, I guess, sneaking in here. I've got a couple things in the works, maybe a surprise Christmas present project for you coming out on this podcast feed. So, a lot to cover. The other programming note to mention, Rider Dies and Survivor. Both shows are having episodes this week. So that means I will be doing recaps of both of those. Rider Dies on this podcast feed Wednesday night. Survivor on the Most Likely 2 podcast feed on Saturday. So if you're still able to watch during your hopefully getting to travel, see some family, some friends, some loved ones. Hopefully everyone has a wonderful holiday to those who are celebrating. Even if you're not, I hope you get some great food and great fellowship in you this weekend. But also watch Rider Dies, watch Survivor, listen to my recaps of them. That is super helpful and super wonderful. So without further ado, let's get into the challenge Australia. I can't believe we get to do this. It's so much fun. I can't believe how awesome the first episode was. And now we're going to talk about it format wise. Same thing as we do with every single other type of episode recap. The only thing we're making different, the only thing we're skipping, at least for these first couple episodes is the cliff notes recap, just because I want to keep these a little tighter, a little bit shorter, and especially with this first episode, there's so much to cover with it being brand new people, brand new host, brand new network, country, 
Same challenges that we've seen on a couple recent seasons, but also we have to talk about that too. So there's a lot to cover. This episode might be a little lengthy, but in the future, I hope to make these challenge AU and or Australia recaps a little bit shorter than our average one, a little more concise, try to keep my thoughts in line, not as many tangents, not as long-winded as I tend to be. We'll see if I can actually accomplish that. So Everything is normal, storylines, major topics, awards, power rankings, predictions, just skipping the Cliff Notes recaps. Probably will add those in a little on down the line. Without further ado, let's dive in. Challenge Australia, episode one. It was awesome. Here we go. Diving right on in, the first thing we got to talk about. Look, there's so much to go over. We've got a huge cast of some incredible personalities thus far. I don't know who any of them are. I imagine most of you listening have no idea either. To anyone that is listening over in Australia who knows all these folks are, hello. Wonderful to have you here. Thanks for joining. But yeah, me and probably most of the people listening to this have no clue who any of these people are. And guess what? I actually really, really like that. Um, I didn't know how I'd feel going in having a season such as this. And I know I already hear a lot of you saying, wait, wait, Jacob, we just had this. We had the Challenge USA, which is true. Um, But that was a little bit different because for those of us in the States, we knew who those people were, or at least if we watched those other shows, we knew who some of those people were. So yes, it was 100% people who had never played the game before, which was fun. But this feels even different for those in Australia who know these folks. It is the same feeling that, you know, a challenge USA would have been new people in an, or same old people in a new game. But for me, it feels like brand new people in a brand new game. This is the closest I feel like me and any US fan are going to get to what it feels like to watch Survivor or Big Brother most of their seasons when it's all brand new people to the game and to the viewer. That's how it feels to me, and I kind of really like it. I'm having a lot of fun with it, and yeah, I just I, I thought maybe that would be kind of something because I guess the Challenge USA experience I've had you know kind of up and down feelings on. I was like I don't know about this, but going in, incredible, absolutely incredible, mostly because the cast is awesome or seems to be absolutely awesome so far, which we're going to obviously talk about a lot of the cast members here in a minute. The first person that we will say individually, though, is Briny, the host, which I'm going to say right now, their name or anyone else's name, a lot of pronunciations will be said incorrectly by me as I cover this season. I would not have pronounced their name correctly if you just showed me their name on, you know, a blog post, which I had seen, you know, of here's the host, here's the cast members, this, that, and the other. But thankfully, they pronounced their own name at the start of the episode, and I think I'm getting it at least close to right. The accent obviously sounds way, way different, so it probably sounds horrible to any of you over there in Australia listening. But Briny is here. They seem really great. Dig their vibe completely. The wardrobe on point. Clearly the same wardrobe person is working with them as is working with TJ. So they got the hook up there. And also I I peeped those sneakers. Those are looking good. Love everything about that. The one thing I will say, they have an absolutely impossible task in front of them. And that here's why. Obviously, as challenge fans, we adore TJ Lavin as we should, as he deserves, because TJ Lavin is the best just the best. He's the man. He's the face of the challenge. He is the challenge. It's his final, everything like that. So because of that, it doesn't matter who is put in this spot as hosting the other versions of this show. It's not going to feel the same to us here, but to someone watching in Australia, again, where the market that this is meant for, this feels like a real big deal. It seems like they are a real big deal. One of, you know, a prolific host MC type of person over there doing those style of jobs. So this makes perfect sense. And so far, one episode in, if I can find a way, which is very difficult to do, and again, an unfair spot for them to be in, but if I can find a way to take away the fact that like, okay, it's not TJ, and you know, we always want TJ if we could have TJ, certainly. I'm sure they feel the same way. And it seems like they and TJ have a bit of a relationship that has started at least digitally um, uh, during the promotion and marketing, this, that, and the other. So Thought they did an awesome job. Thought the entrance was great. Thought their energy was great. They got to work a little bit on their air horn skills. TJ's really got that air horn skill locked in. Maybe uh, TJ can give them some pointers on that. But overall, love them as the host and just love the whole idea of it's brand new people. Everything's the same except for the one thing that's not the same, which is the house and the location and the games. 
because it's all the same as USA or Ryder dies. And that's kind of weird, right? Like that's pretty weird, right? I mean, yes, yes, it is. I'll answer my own question since I'm the only one here. Yes, it is completely and utterly weird. As a challenge fan, this is kind of blowing my mind. We had already dipped our toes into it by watching Challenge USA and then immediately watching Ryder Dies now. And obviously those filmed in the same place. There is a lot of overlap, not yet in the games that they have played, but in some of the locations they have played them in. I've called a couple of those out through the first few episodes of Ryder Dies. But this is even wilder, which we knew this was the case. We knew they filmed all five of these seasons in the same location in Argentina. So I imagine if we ever get to watch the UK or the Argentinian version of this show, which fingers crossed, hopefully we will. And if we do, I will of course cover it here on the pod. But if we get to watch those, it's probably going to be even more of the exact same challenges in the exact same locations and one of the exact same houses. Um, but this one diving in and realizing like, holy cow, this is literally challenge USA and challenge rider dies mashed together Everything is from one of those two shows so far. Everything in this episode was directly pulled that happened in exactly the same place, same game, same format, the whole thing from one of those two places. Or then also in the trailer, looking ahead on the season, everything matches up. Everything's basically the same. That's kind of wild. It takes some getting used to. And I think while it's going to be strange sometimes, other times it's going to be super duper interesting. And ultimately it's going to get us to the place where we're able to judge all of the same people across doing all of the same things. So when we get to that global championship, it will be really nice that they all went through the same thing prior to that. And I think that could be a lot of fun for us fans and give us a nice, you know, at least make the previews for the global championship extremely interesting and, you know, a fair ground to actually preview everyone's capabilities on. But here's the thing that's got to be said. Did the Challenge USA get completely and utterly screwed on the house? Because why didn't they get to use the house? This house that is now being used for Australia and is for Ride or Dies is amazing. Very good Challenge House. The warehouse from Challenge USA, not so great of a Challenge House. It did have a really shitty basketball hoop, which I appreciated. But otherwise, uh, you know, the reports out of there weren't great. Everything we saw wasn't the best. Now, could there possibly be the UK or the Argentina show using the warehouse? Could this be like, we're trying to film a couple of these simultaneously, not five shows in a row that takes, you know, each one takes six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. And so we don't have that kind of time frame. We need to do two of them at the same time. So we need to use two locations. And you've just seen, you know, Ride or Dies in Australia. We're in the house, USA, and possibly maybe UK or Argentina are in the warehouse or even a third location. I don't know, but Challenge USA... <laughs> Seems to have gotten screwed because I definitely would have chosen the house over uh, the warehouse and uh, they definitely got the short end of that straw. But overall, first just pops up on the screen. You're like, this is a little bit weird. This is a little bit strange, but I kind of like it because all the cast, the host, everything about it, the continent that they come from is a little weird, which I side note, they should have done this in Australia. Like it's the challenge Australia. It does feel a couple a weird, a couple of times that like the first season isn't in Australia. Um, we have had one challenge season before in Australia. Fresh meat one was uh, kind of across Australia in a couple of different spots, I think. But uh, yeah, feels a little weird on that note, but it's great. New people, new cast feels fun. Feels like I'm watching the survivor big brother style. No one has any idea what's going on here. I have no idea who they are. I'm learning about them for the first time. And at the same time, I feel like we've been here. I feel like we've seen this all before because we literally have on these two other shows. That's enough high level stuff for now. Let's talk about this amazing cast. Cause it's great. And what we're going to do here, I don't want to go through every single person one by one the whole way. This podcast is already going to be plenty long enough. We don't need to go down that road. What I am going to do is say overall, absolute, just unbridled potential out of this group. I can see this being an absolutely amazing season. We're getting so much in episode one. Everyone seems to have real personality bringing it to the table. There seems to be no duds in the group, no wallpaper type of folks in the group. Everyone's getting confessionals. Everyone's finding a way to get in the mix. I know episode one, they always try to get everyone in the mix, but it doesn't seem like they had to try too hard to find a way to involve every single cast member in this first episode. 
So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to run through, I don't even know how many I got on the list here, but basically I just went through person by person, not all of them, but the ones I either really liked or really didn't like right away and just made a list of, I don't know if I got 10 of them, maybe here just to run through so the, the ones that stuck out the most. As the episode went down, I had everyone's name in front of me. I'm keeping track of my confessional count. And then next to him, I'm like, you know what? If, if something clicks, if there's just a moment, any moment that I'm like, hmm. I've decided I like that person. I put a star next to their name. This list is essentially everyone that got a star during the episode or a couple on the reverse that got like a little X next to their name of like, eh, not really feeling it on that one, kind of out on that one. There's a bunch left undecided because again, it's episode one, huge cast, a lot of time to get to know them, but some got stars, some got Xs. Let's talk about which ones did. First and foremost, my favorite number one, number one draft pick for favorite for the season he might come up later in predictions too. That's Ryan. Ryan's my favorite from the start. I love Ryan. The self-proclaimed country hick with the great mullet. He's got me being a little small town country kid myself. Uh, big fan right away. He reminds me of a few different people in challenge history from, you know, there's a little modern ace in him. There's a little Kahuta going on there. Again, on just that kind of country vibe to him. But uh, also, he seems to be really, really good all right out the gate. He obviously wins in the first one. Um, he was not the person once you first learned about him. If you wouldn't have said what show he was from, I would have been like, oh, this guy played Survivor. Or maybe they were like, we need the kind of the country bumpkin type of guy for Big Brother. I don't know. No, he was on Married at First Sight. Didn't see that one coming. Would love to watch this guy on that style of dating show. Would like to watch him on any of the dating shows. I think that would be kind of funny. Um, but especially that one, probably it was a real good time. But I loved him. Loved the moment of him making the raw egg omelet in the blender and then just drinking it and freaking everyone out. He obviously kicks butt in the daily. Ryan flew up right away. I, it was immediate. Like first time on screen, I was like, I'm going to like this guy. And then, yep, I loved this guy. He got a big old star. He's the first one. Next person. Kiki, really great vibes from Kiki. A couple great quotes from Kiki, but have to say, tough time for anyone named Kiki to enter the world of the challenge. A lot to live up to after the Challenge USA in all of the mentions of Kiki McRae, Danny's wife. Uh, Kiki, obviously, without even being there, was such a huge part of the Challenge USA. So this Kiki's got a lot to live up to on actually being there and being as big of a star as the last Kiki in the world of the Challenge, who wasn't even there on the season, whose husband was there, turned her into as big of a star as it had. Shout out to Kiki, as always. And shout out to this Kiki, who I did get real positive vibes from, real good personality, I think, She's going to do some good stuff in this house. She's going to be a fun time. I'm very much looking forward to her. She got a star. Third person, David. David's here to have a good time. David is there. He's not here. He's not here with me to record. And hey, hello, David. You want to jump in on the interview? No, he is not here. But uh, if he was, I'd be having an even better time than Marty having because David clearly is there to have a good time. Compete, yes, too. But he... From the start is very obvious, you know, he does the lap dance, gets thrown in the pool by, I believe that's Johnny who does that with him. He's got funny commentary about that. You might hear that in the quote of the week award coming up later, but uh, David's having a good time, making sure that everyone around him's having a good time, just bringing a lot of energy and positive vibes and good times to the house. And you need as many of those people as you can get. He understands the assignment. It's very considerate of him to make sure that everyone's having fun so that we, the viewer, will have fun watching whatever it is they are doing. David got a big old star. Then we got Kieran. Kieran, I went back and forth on. Uh, I really like him. So this is, this is the problem. I really, really like him. And then he goes and cheats on his girlfriend by the end of the episode, which uh, tough start. Um, from the very little, and by very little, I mean two paragraphs of one blog post about the cast that I read. It sounds like, one, he has dated, I think it was Jessica, maybe. I might begin that wrong. It's someone else on the show he dated on Bachelor in Paradise. I believe it was Jessica. Um, he mentions in this, you know, he's a reformed guy. I don't know if that's just like he was a serial cheater before. Issues, you know, relationship type issues, or there was something else he's referring to. I don't know. I only know what I got in this episode, and that was that at first I was like, yes, give me more of this guy. This guy's going to be great. Let's go. And then, boom, 
I was very entertained by the whole the whole sequence of the the whipped cream, the shower, the quick admissions and apologies via confessional of I can't believe I've already cheated on my girlfriend and now I hope you know I'm gonna apologize right here now. I hope that this won't end things. Um, so that wasn't great. It was solid television. It wasn't certainly not great for him or his significant other or Audrey and her significant other. And the reason I went back and forth was because I was like, Ugh, I got to stop there. What I'm about to say is very unfair to Kieran, but I'm going to say it anyways. Please don't be Bear 2.0. And I know what you're thinking right now. Anyone out there, you're like, how can you even say that? Bear is such a complete and utter piece of shit. Um, which, yes, nowadays we do know uh, that Bear from War of the Worlds 1 and 2 uh, is a pretty, pretty horrible person, or at least has done some really horrible things. But... If you remember back, uh, maybe it was just me, but I don't think I was alone. The early returns on Bear, the first season he was there, were kind of high. They were kind of like, oh, this is fun. This uh, this guy's a total wild card. Probably not a great person. Uh, you know, probably not someone you'd want to date or anything like that. But, you know, uh, a fun wild card, crazy personality, antagonistic, the whole lot. And then it went south very, very fast, both in the show and then certainly off the show. It went off a cliff, and it was like, God damn it. Uh, what what a piece of shit. So uh, it's unfair to compare anyone to that because I certainly hope um, that no one of that nature has been cast again, and I certainly don't think that Kieran is going anywhere near that direction. But I did at least get the smallest vibes of like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm really liking this person, but already at the end, there's the, the likes, the serial cheater thing is coming up. And so that just, it, I couldn't help it. You know, it gave me a little bit of flashes of, of that. And so that's where I'm at. But so far I'm hoping that Kieran stays in the positive, in the, I really like this person on this show. Good character to have around. We'll see where it ends up. Next one, Conrad. We didn't get a ton from Conrad this episode, but for some reason, there was no basis other than just pure intuition. I was just like, dude, Conrad's gonna, Conrad's gonna do some stuff. Conrad's gonna have have a good time here. He's gonna create a moment or two that's really good, some drama. He feels it. Just I just get the right. Uh, I don't. I want to use the word shifty nature from him, which sounds negative. It sounds like a diss in some way, and it's not at all. It's actually complete and utter like reverence and respect. I feel like. This guy is a little bit shifty, a little bit shysty, will maybe be the one to pull totally, you know, whether he gets the opportunity or not, but would be willing to pull a big move, a big backstab, a complete strategic, you know, blind side of someone. I don't know if he'll get the chance. I don't know if this is, I'm actually reading it right, or he's just total nice guy or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything, but for some reason with very little of him, I was just like, I'm just, there's a vibe coming off and I'm just feeling like you're going to do something awesome this season. I just, I just got a feeling. So that's Conrad. Then Emily, Emily, one of the stars of this episode, certainly she's going to be unfair. She got a big old star next to her name from me as the episode went on, because assuming she can do a puzzle, which is an assumption we haven't seen, we don't know who knows. Um, but assuming she can do a puzzle, just half decent, isn't somehow out of nowhere, just got awful at puzzles, which I doubt um, Olympians are unbelievable athletes. Yes. But like you also have some mental acuity just to be able to get that successful in anything, even if it's an athletic endeavor. So if she can do a puzzle, even half, well, this is going to be, this is going to be a little unfair, like right away, because someone this athletically superior like putting them in the house, you're asking for a runaway victory. And she is clearly athletically superior to, you know, the rest of the female side of this house. And that's no shame to anyone else on the female side. This woman's been in the Olympics four times as a swimmer. That's insane. I can't wait to watch how obviously she dominates the swimming challenges on this season. I mean, what we've seen, saw from Tyson, what we've seen from Wes way back in the past, but certainly like Tyson on USA, how dominant he was in the water challenge. And he was like a very good collegiate swimmer. This woman is Olympic swimmer four times for 16 years was in the Olympics. Like that's wild. That's insane. And then we see her and there's a great quote about it in this episode. She can do some running too. It, it translates out of the water. So if she can do a puzzle, we're going to have a front runner for the ages. 
And that can be good for the show. That does not mean a bad thing for the show. Having a front runner who maybe ultimately doesn't win, who falls short, who gets knocked out at some point, that's super dramatic. That's super fun. We saw this obviously with Tyson and to some degree with Angela on Challenge USA. They go out to the front runners and then they don't actually end up winning. And that drama of when they fall off, when they get knocked off that pedestal is interesting and entertaining. So we'll see. But so far, one episode in, I'm like, damn this isn't even fair. Like Emily's obviously going to win this, right? And if she doesn't, you should put her in the global championships anyways, because you put some other non-winners in there that aren't Olympians to say the least. Next person, Cyrell. Cyrell understands the assignment. She's ready to bite heads off at the slightest slight. And I love it. Love everything from Cyrell. I would understand why anyone in the house would maybe hate having Cyrell there totally makes sense. But guess what? That also makes for a great, great challenge cast member. We as the fans can be like, oh, give me my popcorn. Let me sit back. Let me watch. Those in the house will be like, God, she's here really again. Like you're getting mad again. Like no one did anything. Can you, can we just have a day off? Can we have a couple, an afternoon, a couple hours? Do you have to yell at someone? And she's like, yes, actually I do. I would like to yell at someone now. And all of us at home, hopefully are going to be sitting there and be like, yep, go ahead, Cyril. We are ready. Popcorn has been popped. Let's go. So she understands the assignment and uh, had a great time with everything Cyrell related in the first episode. A couple more quick ones just to round this all out. A grouping, Brooke, Brooke, Sugar, and Brittany, which first off, we got Brooke J and Brooke B. We've got a whole, you know, double agents all over again with Amber and Amber B. Uh, I don't remember the other Amber's uh, second initial anymore, but Amber B., who's now stuck to, for the most part, it seems like stuck with going by Amber B instead of just Amber. Um, but uh, so I don't know if the Brooks will be too. If one will go home quick enough to have one of them be the dominant Brook of the season, the only Brook get to drop that last initial or not. But uh, Brooke, Brooke, Sugar, and Brittany, all of them, we don't get much from any of them this episode, but they, they seem to be teaming with potential. Similar to Conrad before, I just, I didn't have a specific thing I saw with them, but I saw something. I made little notes of like, oh, we got like one confessional. I was like, boom, yeah, this person's good. I'm, I'm glad they're here. Additive to the cast. I don't have much to go off of why, but I just, those four women, I was like, yeah, those are going to be good. We're going to get some good stuff. Whenever they're featured, it's going to be a good episode. Then the only two that I wasn't on board for, there was a lot of folks then, you know, I haven't named two thirds of the cast at this point, And a lot of them, I was just kind of like, well, we need to see more. It's one episode. I can't have a strong opinion about everyone. The only two that I kind of had strong opinions going on the negative side, not that I was like, I don't like these people or these are bad people or whatever. I just, I wasn't on board uh, the way, you know, I'm hyped up for some of these other people. I'm on board all these other people we've listed. I'm totally on board them on the cast. Uh, the two people that didn't quite do that for me are Grant and Jack. Um, both of them, you know, we get a decent amount from both of them. They're both somewhat featured and more so in the second half of the episode. And it just wasn't, wasn't clicking for me for either of them. I don't feel like, I feel like it was pretty kind of bland what we were getting for the situations they were in. You know, the confessionals were a little, just kind of very straightforward. Not a lot of, a lot being added other than just like, we got to cut to a confessional because we want to introduce people to you and you're we're showing Cyrell yelling at you, Grant, or like you're in elimination, Jack. So we gotta we gotta get something out of you. And I just I don't know. Maybe they'll flip it around for me in the future episodes. But if I had to put anyone kind of on the negative side of the ledger, I was like I'm just not on board. Wasn't feeling it, which is fine. There's a huge cast, and we've went through a lot of them. I'm on board with. So it's one episode. Maybe it'll change. But whatever it was, Grant and Jack so far um, not as on board with them, or not at all on board with them the way I am with so many of these others. Final one to name. Quick and easy. We'll talk about him a little bit more later when we get to predictions and power rankings. Troy's going to win. Final storyline topic to do before we get to the awards where we'll be able to talk about some more things and specifics from the episodes that we haven't. Let's just run through quickly the sports side of it, the contest side of it. Let's talk about the algorithm and format, the daily challenge in the eliminations. Hit each of those three here in quick succession. Starting with the algorithm. The algorithm is back. TJ's perfect algorithm is now Briny's algorithm, which thank you, Briny, for uh, not calling it the perfect 
algorithm that got a little beaten to death by TJ. And this way, we're setting proper expectations. It's just an algorithm. It's just randomly placing two names together. And uh, I actually liked that. At, by the end of the USA, I was I was fully in. I wasn't at the beginning, especially going into the season with the like the statement ahead of Challenge USA that it was going to be a part of it. I remember laughing ad nauseum with Paige when we previewed that season, being like, this is a joke, right? Are you kidding me? Like, this can't be good. And then it turned out it was actually kind of nice. It was kind of fun. I, I enjoyed it for the most part. I think it added a really interesting strategic element to the game that is able to be taken advantage of or strategized around, which some of the Challenge USA players did. So we will see if those players in this game if it pans out that they're able to figure out how this can be used to an advantage, how to kind of manipulate it in different ways for their advantage or for others disadvantage. So I like that. And I definitely, I guess I had just forgotten and I kind of assumed like, Oh, that's a thing in the past. Um, but it feels like they did the challenge USA, Australia, UK, and Argentina. Like we're going to do the same format, really the same game so that all of the winners or people who excelled and are willing to accept an invitation to do another season from those four go into the global championship, having done basically the same thing before. And that rider dies is in the same location, a lot of the same stuff, but is treated in its own kind of way because it's still in that flagship world in that silo itself. So the algorithm is back. It's great. It's no longer perfect, but it is still good. And it's still a format shift that I like as is the base format of there's going to be a loser and there's going to be a winner. Losers in, winner gets to pick who they go against. That's that's preferred. As we're seeing on ride or dies right now, not having a definitive loser, having this thing where the winner picks four, one goes in, they draw for the others. I like the draw. I, I love that. I understand it. But we have seen now a couple weeks in a row, many players coming out from ride or dies admitting they're not trying to win the daily challenges for strategic purposes. And when you disincentivize people from winning, that changes some things. Even if it brings some pros, like the draw is fun most of the time, it takes away in a lot of other ways. So I prefer there to be a last place, a first place, pretty simple. The only part that's not simple is also simple. It just is random is that you're going to switch partners every week until we decide to go pure individual at some point near the end, like they did in USA, I assume. So all of that really, really good. The daily challenge collect four. We saw it in challenge USA. They start off with it here, which most for the most part, I think is a good idea. They start off in a big, big stadium. That's super cool. They start off with a challenge that's heavy duty running. That's great too. That's a proper introduction to the world of the challenge for these folks and for viewers in Australia. Big, grand stage, big endurance test right out the gate. That's awesome. The twist of not telling them about last place until someone is one and then stopping and telling them, giving them a chance to strategize and decide which team they were all going to fuck over. That all worked really, really well. Uh, you know, teaming up against one team makes for good drama week one. However, the thing I will say why I wish they maybe wouldn't have started with this game and they would have saved it for later in the season is as we saw when they did this on the challenge USA, if you do it later in the season, these people know each other, they have alliances, and those alliances come into play to make a challenge like this interesting because you want people to screw people over, and we get none of it in this one. The first way through, no one you know blocks anyone. They just go, who can run up and down four times fastest? Great. Then we pick one team to fuck over when we are told we have to do that. Great. That's all good and fun, but when you do this near the end of the season, middle of the season, there's some alliances at play. Things get way different, you know, and you end up with the kind of random team winning because certain people are screwing over other certain people and it's a little more fun. So kind of double edged there. There was some good of doing it first. There were some reasons I wish they maybe would have waited later, but I do like this daily challenge overall. Couple performance notes from the daily challenge, Grant, Jessica, Johnny, Sugar, Ryan, and Emily. Those were the three teams that definitely did the strongest. Obviously, Ryan and Emily get the win, but all three of those teams are right there neck and neck near the end. And as we find out, Grant, Johnny, and Ryan are working together already. They're in the same room. They've decided to work together. They were willing to even be open about it, yelling to each other in the presence of everyone else. Hey, like, if you win, we obviously got you. If I win, we got you. Like, just yelling at Ted in front of everyone else, which, bad strategic move. Like, I know you don't have time to maybe stop, but uh, 
maybe just hope that that's the case right now and go off that later because just outing your alliance this quickly and this early and this obvious of a way, I don't know how I feel about it. It wasn't commented on by anyone else, but I think it might be in the future. Um, those are the only performances really to note other than Emily and Ryan. They get the win, and it does feel a little Tyson-Angela to me a bit. Emily definitely... Emily feels like the Tyson here and Ryan feels like the Angela here where, or Emily kind of feels like Tyson and Angela combined because uh, Angela did end up winning more often than Tyson did. But those two won the first one on Challenge USA and were then, you know, one of them was in the winning pair almost every single time or very close to it every single time. They were kind of running the game, the front runners all the way up until the finals when they weren't and they went home. But this one, it feels like Emily certainly can do that. And I also get the feeling Ryan could do that too. Um, so we will see if that holds true. But great performance from them and definitely put targets on their back as really good performers right out the gate. Then we got the elimination. Final thing here. Not so fast. You know I love it. You know I think it's the best challenge game ever made because it is objectively, factually, it's just the best elimination game they've ever come up with. It's perfect. It's wonderful. And it's the exact right game to play first. Just like it was for Challenge USA, it is here, Challenge Australia. The best game to introduce them to is the best elimination game you've got. It's a game that physical endurance matters in a huge way. Communication matters most of all. Strategy and puzzle, but in this wild, big, 3D, humanoid, humanoid, human-shaped size, whatever I'm trying to say, you get it. It's, it's just a mixture of all the great things, all the great elements that could make a great elimination, all wrapped up into one. It's visually interesting. It's fun. Everything about it's great. It's the best one. You know, Billy and Susan, uh, we barely get to know them. They just didn't have that communication down. It seemed like they did absolutely horrible on the first part and then did really well in the second half, taking things apart, slash maybe Jack and Cyrell on the other side were just not moving very fast in the second part, but it ends up being very, very close at the end, like super-duper close, but it uh, feels like they lost it on the first half. They did not make nearly as big of a mess, merely as many knots, merely as much movement as the other two did anywhere near the communication. And it shows why communication, number one thing in not so fast, which is why the game elevates to such a high level because it's such a physical test. It's such a mental test, but it's most of all a massive test of your ability to communicate with a partner. To the awards we go, and we've got the best quote, the best moment, and the episode MVP. Same as we do with all of our episode recaps. So let's start with the best quote. Four nominees here. First up, no, this isn't Danny talking about his wife. We're on Challenge Australia, folks. Figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out myself. We've got actual Kiki, cast member Kiki there in the episode Kiki. Wonderful Challenge Australia Kiki with the first one, her first confessional in it, she says, you know, everyone else has this opinion of me. That might be true, but I'm a little more than that. Take it away, Kiki. Kayla Apps. Wait, wait. Ooh, my hand. Oh my God, I need a knife. You may remember me from The Bachelor as the girl that got played by Kieran. People think that I'm a makeup obsessed, fashion obsessed bimbo, which I am all those things. But I am also someone who's incredibly determined. I really want to prove I'm capable of winning this. Then we've got the aforementioned David moment after being thrown into the pool. His commentary towards Johnny, who just threw him into the pool. Third up is Brittany. I also referenced this one earlier, speaking about how dominant Emily seems to be already in the game and how dominant she may well be in the future. Take it away, Brittany. Emily's a swimmer. She won the running challenge, which doesn't give me much hope. See, if she's winning the land challenge and she's like a fish, we're pretty much doomed. Oh. And then fourth and final nominee, he might be gone after one episode, but I I was I was liking what I was getting from Billy. I thought I had, you know, immediately they're like boxer. I don't see anyone, you know, he's a little shorter on the smaller side. He's in one of the lower weight classes in boxing for sure, but I didn't see any, you know, any any obvious weakness from him. I was like, okay, I like this guy so far. He ends up going home, but he doesn't before he gets in a quick quote of the week nominee about just how hard he is going to play during this elimination. 
Obviously, I want to compete, but you know, if I can avoid elimination, then I want to avoid it because I'm not really confident in what Susan can do. I know what I bring in regards to my ferociousness. I'm going to play hard and I'm going to play to hurt, and it ain't going to be pretty. It comes down to me. Four good nominees, but of those four, you know, I feel like Kiki might win this award a few times throughout this season. I've got a lot of hope for her in the confessional booth and as a cast member overall. So because he already went home, it's only it's only right. Billy should win something for being one of the first people eliminated. We'll go ahead and give the best quote to Billy. As for the best moment, there's four nominees here. We've kind of referenced a few of them, but we didn't really get deep down into the weeds of what actually happened in this episode. So we'll do that a little bit here. The first one, the bed mishap between Audrey and Cyrell. That's nominee number one. Audrey doesn't have her jersey. She puts her shoes on a bed to try to claim it. Cyrell doesn't see the shoes or doesn't care about the shoes, puts her jersey the same way every other person has put their jersey. She is right about that. And then there's a breakdown over it. It's, uh, you know, I my shoes were there, my jersey's there. Cyrell is totally correct when she walks around and I have a great time, I get a big laugh out of her walking around into the other rooms and be like, oh, a jersey to mark the bed, a jersey to mark the bed. Look, I, oh, I must have been the only one that used a jersey to mark the bed. Like it's, it's all really great. And, uh, you know, they were both right in the end. You know, the shoe, if you take off your shoes in a challenge house on a part night one party, like you just, that does, that's, that counts. That deserves to be a bed holder for certain, but, uh, probably should have went and found that Jersey a little bit quicker there, Audrey, but that's, that's number one liked that moment. Second one, we did mention this one, Ryan drinking the raw eggs and freaking people out a little bit with it. Uh, because that was when I decided I really loved Ryan. Uh, that moment makes the list third nominee. Here comes Cyrell again, the entire house watching Cyrell go at Grant for, I'm not sure what reason at the bar. And the reason this is, it's all, it, it's fun when someone's yelling at someone most of the time when it's on the fun side of people yelling at each other, which this is, uh, but the pet that makes it amazing is literally everyone else in the cast is kind of like around the two of them in a big old semicircle, just like stop and watch like a true audience. Like they're in a stadium. It's just the two of them in the middle. Everyone's around them. And maybe we don't see, maybe I forgot. Maybe I missed a second and skipped over it in the notes. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like there's much instigation or much really to go off of here. Cyrell just decides we're at the bar. I'm mad. I think I'm probably going in. This sucks. So, uh, screw it. Here we go. And you know, we're gonna, we're gonna yell at someone and goes at Grant. So loved that moment. Loved how everyone was just standing around watching that as a, uh, an engaged audience, just like I was at home. And then the fourth and final one, we did reference this before, you know, I I'm sorry for the two relationships that may have been ruined because of this, but the whole inner, the whole sequence of David and Kieran and Audrey with the whipped cream on the countertops. And then at least the two of them, I think it's only the two of them end up in the shower or whatnot, but that whole sequence, uh, you know, some, some good shenanigans, even if, uh, ultimately some not good shenanigans because some folks did some things they regret and shouldn't have done. And some relationships may have been ruined, but of those four, you know, it's, it's a tough call. Cyrell's in here twice. Feel like she's going to be in here a lot throughout this season so we'll give the award to her i don't know for which one either one of them cyrell yelling at people moment of the episode then as for the mvp if she had the top two moments of the episode you think she's going to win mvp yeah because then you get an elimination win on top of it cyrell is the mvp of the episode one episode in she's the big star of this episode for certain four others to give a shout out to that make the final ballot kieran Audrey, Emily, and Ryan, Emily and Ryan, obviously with the daily wins, but also because of that being in the power position, both making a smart move and getting a lot of screen time because of where they were, they move up super high on the list. Audrey has a lot. She was involved in multiple of those moments, uh, you know, had a good opinion of her throughout the episode. I could have had it added her to the list of people I put a star next to because I did. In fact, I think I actually skipped over her. I did put a star next to her. Really enjoying Audrey. And then Kieran, we talked about as well. Very prevalent, had some good moments that hopefully will remain, you know, being a fun and entertaining uh, guy who maybe just, you know, serial cheater one thing. Uh, he, he comes out and apologizes for it at least. I guess that's something immediately knows that he did something wrong. So we'll see, but it feels like there is a lot of entertainment value there to possibly, uh, to possibly be there for us fans. But Cyrell is the MVP of episode one.
Final thing on the agenda, we got to do some power rankings. We got to make some predictions. We didn't even do a preseason, you know, uh, big, you know, preseason preview of, that's the word I was looking for, preview of this season. And so uh, without that, even more important that we add some predictions in here and we got to get our power rankings up to date. Now, I've only known these cast members for one single episode of this show through one daily challenge and four people being in elimination, two of which aren't even there. So I'm not going to do full-blown power rankings, one through however many people are left. I'm going to do top three female, top three male. We may expand it as we have more evidence, more data points to go off of, if you will. But for the time being, we're going to keep it to a top three. So on the female side, it should come as no surprise that Emily comes in at a strong number one clear, obvious number one draft pick right now on the female side. We'll see if it's such a big target that she ends up in a bunch of eliminations and gets tripped up somewhere. They don't usually bring pools or swimming into the elimination arena, which is one reason why you definitely want to get a good swimmer out before a final. A final that swimming and endurance is where they excel. That doesn't happen in the arena in, I believe, yeah, they're calling this one the arena. We're back to the arena for this season. So, Emily, number one, huge target though, but I think she can handle it. Brooke J and Sugar, two and three. I think athletically, we saw some good things from them or just I, I get a good vibe and they're both, you know, fitness or boxer background for each of them respectively and just felt like from their confessionals, I got good vibes of like, they're thinking about this. They're, you know, the strategy is going to maybe be there, at least attempt to be there. They're not going to be all out. You know, they're there, they're there for the game as much as to have a good time. So they're, they're rounding out the top three, but honestly, we're not going off of much here. Who knows? These could shake up in a big, big way, but I feel certain that while Emily's here, she's going to be on this top three, if not in the top spot on the men's side. I'm going with Ryan, Johnny, and Troy. Ryan, because he won, and I love him, and uh, I just have great feelings about him, and also we showed he was really good. Johnny, because he, see, he did really well. He's already building some alliances, and he's from Survivor and seemed to have maybe has a solid reputation from Survivor. I didn't look into his background on Survivor. It doesn't sound like he won. I think the only person we heard of that had won a previous competitive show was uh, Mar Marley. Marley, yeah, that was his name, right? Marley was a big brother winner, um, who was another one that, you know, no star, no X next to the name, waiting for more from Marley, but we did learn he was a big brother winner. But he's not here. Ryan, Johnny, Troy, Johnny, Survivor. I like Survivor backgrounds in this show. He did really well in this one. He's building a little bit of an alliance. That was enough to earn him onto the list above all the others that were still waiting for more input on. And then Troy. I mentioned Troy was going to win. I said it, and then stopped and went on to a new topic immediately. One sentence, Troy was going to win. We barely see Troy this episode. He has one confessional. He has the least amount of confessionals of anyone in the whole episode. But Troy comes from Ninja Warrior, which uh, hasn't translated well to the challenge previously. Shout out my boy Nam, the snake-bitten, cursed Nam, though, from Ultimate Beastmaster, but which is Ninja Warrior. Um, Ninja, Ninja Natalie, has done pretty well on her couple seasons of the show, so there is that precedence. But Troy's an athlete. Ninja Warrior folks are super athletes. Now, most of the things they have to do don't translate to needing to do them in the challenge. There's not a lot of upper body strength required in the challenge house, which is what all those folks have. But I just, I don't know. I just looked at him and was like, this guy, this guy's just going to be chilling in the back the whole time. Meanwhile, he's going to win. And I, that's just the feeling I got from him, which is why he ends up third on these power rankings for no other reason than I got that feeling and why he's about to come up in the predictions. Let's do those now. Predictions. First, some season predictions. We didn't make them before. Again, I don't know any spoilers. Never. I always stay away from the spoilers. So same you know, non-spoiler warning that I always give. These are my opinions. If I get them right, if I get them wrong, it's because they're my guesses and my opinions. I do not have any idea who actually goes on to win this season. I have thankfully... Uh, avoided the the casting uh, announcements and rumors for the global championships, which is currently filming, maybe even is almost near the end of filming right now. I avoided them for this specific reason because I knew there would be the winners of these other shows, which I hope to get a chance to watch. And now here we are, thankfully getting to watch. So these are all mine, no spoilers anywhere in here. So my picks to make the finals. I'm assuming going with 10 people, five men, five women make the final. On the men's side, Ryan, Johnny, Troy, Grant, and Jack. Those are the five I'm going with. On the women's side, Emily, Brooke, Jay, 
Jessica, Megan, and Kiki. So Ryan, Johnny, Troy, Grant, Jack, Kiki, Megan, Jessica, Brooke, J, and Emily. Those are the 10 people I'm picking as finalists. And I'm going with for the winners of this show. I know I said Troy was going to win, but I'm taking it back. I'm sticking with my guy, my favorite, and I'm going with this time what didn't happen on Challenge USA when we thought that Tyson and Angela might go wire to wire, win the first daily, front runners the whole season, win the whole thing at the end. I think Ryan and Emily can actually pull off that feat. They won't come up short. I think Ryan and Emily win the first daily, go on to win the whole dang show. So those are my winner's picks. As for predictions for week two, which I'm actually going to be watching later this evening as of this recording. And that episode, again, will be out this Friday before we move to a regular Monday recap Australia episodes. Predictions for episode two. Three of them. One of them. Number one. Lots of sex. Uh, I feel like this is a horny hookup ready house and cast. So uh, I'm predicting that there will be lots of hookups in episode two and beyond. Number two, I think Cyrell will continue to get targeted. One, because she's already making some people mad by yelling at so many people. And two, because I don't think whatever bronchitis and cough she's got going on goes away super quick when you're being asked to compete day after day. And it seems like they obviously filmed after the other shows that we've seen so far filmed where it started to get colder by the end of those. So I think they're going to be kind of cold weather here for this season, which doesn't help being sick, having any sort of respiratory stuff going on. So I think Cyrell continues to be targeted for those two reasons. And then number three, the Batchy crew. I love they call themselves the Batchy crew, the Bachelor folks, a bunch of them from the Bachelor universe, the Australian Bachelor universe. They seem to be wanting to work together. I think that's going to implode immediately. So I think the Batchy crew implodes next week. I think Cyrell continues to get targeted. And I think this horny hookup ready house will have some horny hookups in episode two and beyond. Those are the predictions for next week. That is all for today's podcast. I know there was so much we could have covered. We had to do a little more high-level stuff today because, again, we're just entering this brand-new world, brand-new people, yet at the same time, feels like deja vu. We're seeing all the same stuff again. That feeling's going to remain throughout the season, but I'm excited. I really enjoyed this first episode. I think uh, that anyone out there who, if you somehow just listen to all of this without actually going and finding that link and watching yourself, do yourself a favor and watch if you have the time. If not... Definitely listen to the recaps. I'll I'll try to throw in the Cliff Notes recap portion at the beginning here soon so that you get the full download of every single thing that goes down. You can make your own opinions based off this if you only got the time to listen on your commutes, whatever. But if you got the time to actually watch the show too, obviously that is the way to go. So follow me on Instagram. I'll try to repost whenever Paige or anyone else posts the links to these. But if you want for sure to watch episode one and two, most likely two on Instagram page has those links in a highlight on her main profile page. You can follow them. Friday, we'll be back with episode two. Next Monday, assuming links are available, we will be back with episode three and beyond. Wednesday, Rider Dies, Saturday morning, Survivor, which by the way, Got really good again uh, last week's episode. So if you're watching Survivor, not listening to the recaps, really enjoying doing those with Paige, go over there, hop on under the most likely two podcast feed, listen to us, break them down there. As always, hit that follow, subscribe button, follow me on Instagram at Challenge Historian, hit me up in the DMs if you want to talk challenge. I thank you. I appreciate you. I love you for being here. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace.